0: Chapter 10. Halloween. Malfoy couldn't believe his eyes when he saw that Harry and Ron were still at Hogwarts the next day, looking tired but perfectly cheerful. Indeed, by the next morning, Harry and Ron thought that meeting the three-headed dog had been an excellent adventure, and they were quite keen to have another one. In the meantime, Harry filled Ron in about the package that seemed to have been moved from Gringotts to Hogwarts and they spent a lot of time wondering what could possibly need such heavy protection. It's either really valuable or really dangerous, said Ron. Or both, said Harry. But as, but as all they knew for sure was the mysterious objects was that it was about two inches long, they didn't have much of a chance guessing what it was without further clues. Neither Neville nor Hermione showed the slightest interest what lay underneath the dog and the trapdoor? All Neville cared about was never going near that dog again. Hermione was now refusing to speak to Harry and Ron, but she was such a bossy know-it-all that they saw this as an added bonus. All they really wanted to know now was a way of getting back at Malfoy, and their great de- and to their great delight, just such a thing arrived in the mail about a week later. As the owls flooded into Great Hall as usual, everyone's attention was caught by a long, thin package carried by six large, screeching owls. Harry was just as interested as everyone else to see what was this large parcel and was amazed when the owl soared down and dropped it right in front of him, knocking his bacon to the floor. They had hardly they had hardly fluttered out of the way when another owl dropped the letter on top of the parcel. Hare ripped it open, which was lucky because it said, Do not open the parcel at the table. It contains your new Nimbus 2000. But I don't want anybody knowing you've got a broomstick, or they'll all want one. Olive Wood, Oliver Wood will meet you tonight on the Quidditch field at 7 for your first training session. Professor McGonagall Harry had difficulty hiding his glee as he handed the note to Ron to read. A Nimbus 2000? Ron moaned. I've never even touched one. They all left the hall quickly, wanting to unwrap the broomstick in private before their first class. But halfway across the entrance hall, they found the way upstairs barred by Crabbe and Goyle. Malfoy seized the package from Harry and felt it. That's a broomstick, he said, throwing it back to Harry with a mixture of jealousy and spite on his face. You'll be in for this, this time, Potter. First years aren't allowed to have them. Ron couldn't resist it. It's not just any broomstick, he said. It's a Nimbus 2000. What did you say you've got at home, Malfoy? A Comet 260? Ron grinned at Harry. Comets look flashy, but they're not in the same league as Nimbus. What would you know about it, Weasley? You couldn't even afford half the handle. Malfoy snapped back. I suppose you and your brothers have to save up, twig by twig. Before Ron could answer, Professor Flitwick appeared at Malfoy's elbow. Not arguing, I hope, boys, he squeaked. Potter's been sent a broomstick, Professor, said Malfoy quickly. Yes, yes, that's right, said Professor Flitwick, beaming at Harry. Professor McGonagall told me all about the special circumstances. What or what model is it? A Nimbus 2000, sir, and Harry fighting not to laugh at the look of horror on Malfoy's face. And it's really thanks to Malfoy here that I've got it, he added. Harry and Ron headed upstairs, smothering their laughter at Malfoy's obvious rage and confusion. Well, it's true, Harry... Chorseled as they reached the top of the marble staircase. If he hadn't stole Neville's, remember, brawl, I wouldn't be on the team. So I suppose you'd think that's a reward for breaking rules, came an angry voice from just behind them. Hermione was thumping up the stairs, looking disapprovingly at the package in Harry's hand. I thought you weren't speaking to us, said Harry. Yes, don't stop now, said Ron. It's doing us too much good. Hermione marched away with her nose in the air. Harry had a lot of trouble keeping his mind on his lesson that day. It kept wandering up to the dormitory where his new broomstick was laying under his bed, or staying off to the Quidditch field where he'd be learning to play that night. He bolted his dinner that evening without noticing what he was eating. Then he rushed upstairs with Ron. To unwrap the Nimbus two thousand at last, wow, Ron sighed as the broomstick rolled into Harry's bedspread, even Harry, who knew, who knew nothing about different brooms, thought it looked wonderful, sleek and shiny with mahogany handle. It had long tail of neat, straight twigs, and Nimbus two thousand written in gold near the top at seven o- as seven o'clock drew nearer. Harry left the castle and set off in the dusk toward the Quidditch field. He'd never been inside a stadium before. Hundreds of seats were raised in stands around the field so that spectators were high enough to encourage to see what's going on. At either the end of the field were three golden poles with hoops on the end. They reminded Harry of the little plastic sticks Muggle children blew bubbles through, except that they were 50 feet high. Too eager to fly again to wait for Wood, Harry mounted his broomstick and kicked off from the ground. What a feeling! He swooped in and out of goalposts and then sped up and down the field. The Nimbus 2000 turned wherever he wanted at his slightest touch. Hey, Potter, come on down! Oliver Wood had arrived. He was carrying a large wooden crate under his arm. Harry landed next to him. Very nice, said Wood, his eyes glinting. I see what McGonagall meant. You really are a natural. I'm just going to teach you the rules this evening, then you'll be joining team practice three times a week. He opened the crate. Inside were four different sized balls. Right, said Wood. Now, Quidditch is easy enough to understand even if it's not too easy enough to play. There are seven players on each side. Three of them are called chasers. Three chasers, Harry repeated as Wood took out a bright red ball About the size of a soccer ball. This ball's called the quaffle, said Wood. The chasers throw the quaffle at each other and try to get it through one of the hoops to score a goal. Ten points every time the quaffle goes through one of the hoops. Follow me. The chasers throw the quaffle and put it through the hoops to score, Harry recited. So that's sort of like a basketball and broomsticks with six hoops in it, isn't it? What's basketball? said Wood cautiously. Never mind, said Harry quickly. Now, there's another player on each side who's called Keeper. I'm the keeper for Gryffindor. I have to fly around on our hoops and stop the other teams from scoring. Three chasers, one keeper, said Harry, who was determined to remember it all. And they play with a quaffle. Okay, got that. So what are they for? He pointed at the three balls left inside the box. I'll show you now, said Wood. Take this. He handed Harry a small club, a bit like a short baseball bat. I'm going to show you what the bludgers do, Wood said. These two are bludgers. He showed Harry two identical balls, jet black and slightly smaller than the red quaffle. Harry noticed that they seemed to be straining to escape the straps holding them inside the box. back," Wood warned Harry. He bent down and freed one of the bludgers. At once, the black ball rose high in the air and then pelted straight at Harry's face. Harry swung at it with a bat to stop it from breaking his nose and sent it zigzagging away into the air. It zoomed around their heads and then shot at Wood, who dived on top of it, managed to pin it to the ground. See? Wood panted, forcing the struggling badger back into the crate and strapping it down safely. The bludgers rock it around, trying to knock players off their brooms. That's why you have two beaters on each team. The Weasley twins are ours. It's their job to protect the side from the bludgers and try to knock them toward the other teams. So you think you've got it all? Three chasers try and score with a quaffle. The keeper guards the goalposts. The beaters keep the bludgers away from their team. Harry reeled off. Very good, said Wood. Err, uh, have the bludgers ever killed anyone? Harry asked, hoping hes he sounded offhand. Never at Hogwarts. We had a couple of broken jaws, but nothing worse than that. Now, the last member of the team is the seeker. That's you. And you don't have to worry about the quaffle or the bludgers. Unless they crack my head open. Don't worry. The Weasleys are more than a match for the bludgers, I tell you. Would reached into the crate and took out the fourth and last ball. Compared with the quaffle and the bludgers, it was tiny, about the size of a large walnut. It was bright gold. This, said Wood, is a golden snitch and it's the most important ball of the lot. It's very hard to catch because it's so fast and difficult to see. It's the seeker's job to catch it, You've got to weave in and out of the chasers, beaters, bludgers, and quaffle to get it before the other team's seeker. Because whichever seeker catches the snitch, wins his team an extra 150 points. So they nearly always win. That's why seekers get fouled so much. A game of Quidditch only ends when the snitch is caught, so it can go on for ages. I think the record is 3 months. They had to keep bringing on substitutes so the players could get some sleep. Well, that's it. Any questions? Harry shook his head. He understood what he had to do. Alright, it was doing it that was going to be the problem. We won't practice with a snitch yet, said Wood, carefully shutting it inside the case. It's too dark. We might lose it. Let's try you out with a few of these. He pulled a bag of ordinary golf balls out of his pocket and a few minutes later... He and Harry were up in the air, Wood throwing the golf balls as hard as he could in every direction for Harry to catch. Harry didn't miss a single one, and Wood was delighted. After an hour he night had fallen, so they couldn't carry on. That quidditch cup will have her name on it this year, said Wood happily, as they trudged back up to the castle. I wouldn't be surprised if you turn out better than Charlie Weasley and he could have played for England if he hadn't gone off chasing dragons. Perhaps it was because he was now so busy, what with practicing three evenings a week on top of all his homework, but Harry could hardly believe it when he realized that he'd already been at Hogwarts for two months. The castle felt more like home than Privet ever had. His lessons, too, were becoming more and more interesting and in that he had mastered the basics. On Halloween morning, they woke up to the delicious smell of baking pumpkin wafting through the quarters. Even better, Professor Flitwick announced in Charms that he thought they were ready to start making objects fly. Something they had been dying to try since they've seen him make Neville stowed zoom around the classroom. Professor Flitwick put the class into pairs to practice. Harry's partner was Seamus Finnegan, which was a relief because Neville had been trying to catch his eye. Ron, however, was to be working with Hermione Granger. It was hard to tell whether Ron or Hermione was angrier about this. She hadn't spoken to either of them since the day Harry's broomstick had arrived. Now, don't forget that nice wrist movement we've been practicing squealed Professor Flitwick, perched on top of his pile of books as usual. Swish and flick. Remember, swish and flick. And saying the magic words properly is very important too. Never forget, Wizard Barufio, who said S instead of S, found himself on the floor with a buffalo on his chest. It was very difficult. Harry and Simma swished and flicked, but the feather they were supposed to be sending skyward just lay on the desktop. Seamus got so impatient that he prodded it with his wand and set it to fire. Harry had to put it out with his hat. Ron at the next table wasn't having much more luck. Wingardium Leviosa, he shouted, waving his long arms like a windmill. You're saying it wrong, Harry Hermite heard Hermione snap. It's Wingardium Leviosa, make the guard nice and long. You do it, then, if you're so clever, Ron snarled. Hermione rolled up the sleeves of her gown, flicked her wand, and said, guardium Leviosa. The feather rose of the desk and hovered about four feet above their heads. Oh, well done, cried Professor Flitwick, clapping. Everyone see here, Miss Granger's done it. Ron was in a very bad mood by the end of the class. Quietly as possible, they crept along the next corridor after Snape's f- fading footsteps. He's heading for the third floor, Harry said, but Ron held up his head. Can you smell something? Harry sniffed a foul stench, reached his nostrils, a mixture of old socks, and the kind of public toilet no one seems to clean. And then they heard it, a low grunting and shuffling footballs of gigantic feet, Ron pointed at the end of the passage to the left something huge was